Tonight's reading is from Habakkuk chapter 2. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I'll look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He's arrogant and never at rest. Because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied, he gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. Because you've plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they're drunk so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming round to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you've done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you, for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman, or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It's covered with gold and silver. There's no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. This is God's word. If we're not met, my name's Matt Full. I'm the vicar here. Um, and let me pray, and then we'll look at Habakkuk together. A great God and Father, we thank you and praise you for the, the timeless truths of your word. And as we come to this uh, very precious little passage uh, this evening, we pray that we'd understand your revelation, your words in the scripture, and that we'd place our faith in them, knowing that they are trustworthy, you are true, and in a little while, 
the future ahead of us is glorious. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was a little while back, uh, before COVID began, so just a few months before that, I had the opportunity, went overseas and uh, visited someone who uh, had used to be here uh, at CCM and was now back living with his family in a Muslim-majority country and was uh, working out there, running the family business. Um, his family were all Muslims. He'd been converted in the UK. And so they, they knew, uh, and they didn't like it, but he was their son, so they wouldn't denounce him publicly. But, you know, they were very uncomfortable or with his faith, and they knew that he'd go into his bedroom and listen to sermons online, but don't say anything publicly. And for goodness sake, don't let any one of our friends or customers know. It would destroy our business if they knew that the guy running it was now professing faith as a Christian. And he was under quite a lot of pressure uh, from his family. It's time to marry. It's time to marry. You need to find a good Muslim girl to marry. I'm not going to marry a Muslim girl. Going to church, well, in, in this country, it, it, this church was, was curious reasons, was still running on a Sunday, but that's like a work day for him in a Muslim company. So he'd never got to church. So his network of Christian friends, very, very narrow. And he'd had a particularly rough time with his dad uh, not long before I saw him. And I don't suppose you'd be too surprised we met and we chatted and we walked around and um, he said, Matt, tell me it's worth it. Tell me it's worth it. I need someone to tell me that faith in Christ with everything it costs me is worth it. Yes. I said more than yes, but yes. But sometimes you do need reminding of that. You need to be told that. And the book of Habakkuk is one good place to turn for that. It is here in the scriptures to help persuade us that the life of faith is worth it. If you were here uh, last time when we began looking at chapter one, the, 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 the setting is of a, a people, uh, it's a corrupt regime, corrupt political regime, and what's coming is a brutally corrupt, violent regime, oppressing people. Habakkuk needs to know that it's worth it. And if you wanted a, a, a line or for the book, I guess it would be something like, God will bring justice to this unjust world. So keep trusting and rejoice while you wait. God will bring justice to this unjust world. So patiently trust and rejoice while you wait will be a summary of the book. If you were here last time, we looked at, the, the, it comes in. The question that Habakkuk asks in chapter one is, um, you get it a couple of times really, chapter one, verse three. God, if you're all good and if you're all um, powerful, chapter one, verse three, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? And then you get it again in chapter one, verse 13. Why do you tolerate the treacherous? Why do you allow evil? 
If you're in charge of this world and you're good, why do you allow evil? Why do you allow evil to happen to your people? Why do you allow that? And the related question that comes with it is, so how long? How long is this going to happen? Chapter 1, verse 2. At the end, chapter 1, verse 17, is he, Babylon, the, the, the oppressing power, the violent, brutal regime, going to keep on treating us like captive fish in a net, destroying nations without mercy? How long is that going to happen? How long are you going to allow this to go on forever? And we said one of the striking things is the Lord never tells him off. Uh, but Habakkuk is a book which would encourage honest Christian living. Engage with the Lord, with your distress, with your frustration, with your questions. But chapter two is the response that uh, the Lord gives uh, to Habakkuk. Justice will come. That's chapter two. Justice will come. But central really to the passage is uh, chapter 2 and verse 4. And some will know uh, how important this verse is in the rest of the scriptures. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 4 is the central verse, really, we'll look at tonight. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Or the righteous person will live by his faith. The enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. The righteous person will live by faith. Now, I'm not big into tattoos. I don't have a tattoo. I don't commend them particularly. Uh, I'm not particularly hostile. Uh, but were you ever to get a tattoo? Probably don't. But were you ever to get one? This would be okay. The righteous will live by faith. That's good. Because if you, there's sort of one biblical verse you wanted to know, that's a pretty good one. I mean, have it in the original Hebrew or Greek New Testament. That'll look cooler, probably. Um, but the righteous live by faith. It's how you commence, begin the Christian life. It's how you continue it. Till the day you die, Jesus returns. By faith in him and his promises. That's how you keep going. You need to know that. So we're looking at these two different ways, two different ways of living, a contrast in chapter 2, verse 4. The enemy, Babylon in this context here, is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. So they're on the sheet. We're going to look at the righteous way, faith in God's revelation or puffed up pride. Those are the, that's the contrast. It's very simple. Faith in God's revelation or puffed up pride, and then two implications flow from that. Okay, we'll work through the two. Faith in God's revelation. That's what you need. The Lord says to Habakkuk, faith in what I'm promising you. So here's the Lord's response. Chapter 2 and verse 2. The Lord replied, note three little things as we go through about this revelation. It's future. It's certain. It's written. Okay. Future. Certain. Written. Let's, let's notice them. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Future. Certain. Written. Okay, future. Do you see? It's, it's, uh, Habakkuk is told, write this down. 
for the future. Write this down because what I'm about to tell you, it awaits, uh, verse 3, an appointed time. Uh, Verse 3, it speaks of the end. There's an end point to this. It it literally pants for the end is is, is the verb. It's sort of so excited, can't wait uh, for the end to come. It's trying to get there in a hurry. It's future. Now that you just need to know. This promise is future, not now. And that's just pretty fundamental to faith. Uh, Ten days ago, uh, my wife and I had a few days down in Cornwall. We're on a slow plod around the southwest coast path, 630 miles, 200 down if you're interested. Um, and we sort of pick it up where we last got to and then just walk for 50 miles and then come home. Um, and uh, so we did a little stretch, uh, but we needed to get a bus back. So we got to Newquay, and we needed a bus back to Perrinporth, if you know that. Um, but we'd done this bit on a Sunday, but it was okay, because buses run on Sundays, even in Cornwall. Uh, and uh, we checked online, and we checked the timetables, and we knew the bus was on the hour, so it was fine. And we got there, and we did a little bit of mooching around, and okay, 5-2, the bus will come, and you wait, it's, uh, whatever it was, 4 o'clock, no, 10 past, no, 20 past, uh-oh. Uh, there's no timetable up here. Uh, hello, are you local? Yes. Do the buses run today? Oh, on a Sunday in Cornwall? Oh, I don't think so. And then, so we got the most expensive cab of the year. Um, Certainly no Ubers down there. And, um, you know, we get back and we finally got back to our our place, having had to walk miles to this cab office because no one picked up the phone. And then we finally, get a cab over there. Anyway, this took about an hour to get there. We got that. And then as we arrived back in our little village, there's the bus trundling in. Because we didn't wait. We lacked patience. We had no confidence in the words of the timetable. This is not like that. It is future. It is future, but it's certain. Do you see the stress on that? The Lord knows our weaknesses. He knows that we're going to get impatient and think, oh, it's not coming, is it? Is it worth it? Should we just hack it? Let's get a cap. Is Jesus coming back? Is it worth it? It's taking so long. He knows. So along along with the fact that the the future is stressed, it's certain. Verse 3, it will not prove false. It'll linger, but wait. It will certainly come. It will not delay. It'll not be late. You and I attempted, of course, to think, oh, God's got the timing wrong. God's missed a deadline. He never gets timing wrong. Ever. Habakkuk has given this message around about 600, but they had to wait 70 years for it to be fulfilled. 609, the Babylonians become the dominant power in the region. They destroy Egypt, and they're there in charge, and they're the brutal regime. 539, they get destroyed by the Persians under Cyrus. 70 years. It's just a little while. It's, just, it's, it's not going to delay. It's not late. 70 years. I don't think there's anyone in this room who's 70 years old. So I don't suppose any of us have waited for anything for 70 years. 70 years. But in the the Lord's timing, it's never late. It's always on time. 
Sometimes I have to remind myself of that. You know, the um, oh, waiting, oh, it, impatience, impatience. I find Galatians 4 verse 4, similar verse, very, very helpful. When the set time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might have adoption as his sons. When the set time had come, Jesus came to this earth, not a moment before, not a moment afterwards, when it was planned. When would Jesus come again? When the set time comes, not a moment before, not a moment after, it'll come, he will come precisely when he's meant to come. It's future, this message. It's certain. And it's written. Uh, verse 2, uh, the Lord replied, write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets. Well, it's not very long, is it? Um, but I think the point of that is tablets, like the stone tablets at Mount Sinai, this is very, very important. Um, write it down on stone tablets. This is a message you just have to know, that the righteous person will live by his faithfulness or faith. Three things, future, certain, written down. The one who is right in God's sight trusts his written, certain message about the future. That's faith. God, in the context here of Habakkuk 2, God will bring justice to an unjust world. Patiently trust him. It's future, yes, I know, but it's certain. Trust what's written down. Now, I don't know how acutely you feel that tonight on October, whatever, the 30th. I was reading in the week of, in, um, you know, the rioting again in Iran and um, uh, the regime opening fire on uh, a number of the populace and, and 100 odd killed. Um, now, the, the, although Iran is the fastest growing church in the world, statistically, um, only 1.5% of the population would call themselves Christian. And still, uh, if, certainly if you're a pastor, you can expect to be imprisoned for varying times, some just a few nights, some 10 years. If you convert, still theoretically, the death penalty, Plenty that's been enacted for a few years. That's when you need to know that this promise that's written down in the scriptures of Jesus returning to bring justice to an unjust world, to remove a brutally unjust regime, you need to know it's certain. You need to know it's worth it. At times, for you and I, it'll come close. But faith in God's revelation, that's one way of living in the face of injustice in this world. You trust God's promise that he'll sort it out. But the second, and this one gets uh, longer uh, airtime, I guess, in uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 is this. Uh, puffed up pride. That's the second way of living, with puffed up pride. Let's read from uh, verse 4c. The enemy here in Habakkuk, Babylon. 
brutal, oppressive, violent Babylon. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. The righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him, the enemy. He's arrogant and never at rest. He's greedy as the grave and like death, he's never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and takes captive uh, all the peoples. The enemy is puffed up, swollen, badly proud, I guess, here. Their desires are not for the right thing. Wine betrays them. Well, we all know that. Well, many of us all know that. I guess at some point in our lives, after a few drinks, we say stuff we shouldn't, but it's always inside. It just reveals how nasty and unkind we can be at times. There's a restlessness to, uh, to this person, a restless desire to accumulate arrogance, never at rest. Brutal uh, imperialist expansion is, 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 the, is the crime of Babylon. But you get these five woes. You, uh, Rachel read it very effectively. Woe, 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 as you work through this section. Woe, meaning not woe, horsey, but woe to you. Things are going to go very badly for you. Five woes, but notice what they are. Because um, uh, verse 6, will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn? Will not all of, verse 5, peoples that have been taken captive taunt him, Babylon, with ridicule and scorn? Do you see that? So these five woes, they're a song or, or, or a chant that nations that have been invaded by brutal Babylon and destroyed, broken, oppressed, they're going to sing in the future as justice comes, as, well, their songs or their woes of payback, of recompense, of retribution. You've acted like this, you get treated like that in kind. Five of them, five woes. I'll work through them fairly quickly. Um, I'll scribble them down. I think the central one, uh, uh, the third, is, is meant to be central. That's what I'm trying to show, if you, you see them down below. But the plunderers will be plundered, first of all. Uh, verse 6, woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by, by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. Because you've plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. You've shared human blood, you've destroyed lands and cities, and everyone in you. Woe to you. Because you've sent missiles into the Donetsk to smash civilian schools and hospitals, you, Vladimir Putin, you will be smashed. And people will sing and rejoice when you are smashed eventually. Uh, the second one, woe, verses at 9 to 11. The secure will be ruined. Woe to him. So this is sort of false security, I think, here. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You've plotted the ruin of many people, shaming your own house, forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Uh, I think you, you think you're safe. You think you've set your nest up on high and, and no one can get you. I think in context, Babylon uh, had all these other nations around it so that they'd get invaded before Babylon ever did. But anyway, you think you're safe and you've made yourself secure. You are not. All that will be left of you is just like a ruin. Forever proclaiming to everyone, these great people, this is all that's left. 
a couple of years ago to, um, to Berlin and, and Sachsenhausen death camp on the, uh, the, the, exter- the perimeter of the city. You know, thousands slaughtered uh, the, as the SS um, headquarters uh, at that death camp. And there's a whole section of it that was burned down. And they've encased it in perspex to say this is what it was. But that brutal regime, this is all that is left. It's a strange memorial, but quite fitting, ruined. A thousand-year Reich, just a few burnt timbers proclaiming it. That's the future. The ruthless, the skewer will be ruined. Uh, third one is the ruthless will become fuel, verse 12 downwards. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Is not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? Because for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I'll think more about this next week, actually. But the, um, the only way that you can have a perfect world is when evil is removed. And when evil is gone, this is what's left. The earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Here's what's left in the future when evil is gone. Beauty. Beauty in art and song. Majesty in literature and architecture. Everything. Everything in the new creation is just proclaiming how glorious God is. Nothing to interfere with that. That's the future. Just beauty, glory, wonder, joy, because evil is gone then. And then the, the fourth and fifth, I think that one is meant to be central. Then the fourth and the fifth, well, I won't comment much on them, but the, uh, the exploiters will be shamed, the idolatrous will be powerless. But the point here, do you see, is Babylon will be paid back for her crimes. If we draw back a little bit, you can apply these woes fairly directly, I think, to governments today that destroy the rights, the wealth, the freedoms of their citizens or invade other nations to do that. I think that's entirely suitable. Woe to Vladimir Putin. You have shared human blood and destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to you. Violence will overwhelm you. Justice will come. Woe to you, Ayatollah Khomeini, opening fire on your citizens this week for protests whatever, 40 days after uh, Masa Amini died. Woe to you. I think that's entirely appropriate. But the New Testament takes Habakkuk 2 and verse 4 and pushes it in particular in two ways. And we'll look at them, then we're finished. Two ways that the New Testament takes this. Uh, Romans 1 and Hebrews 10, we'll look at them. Uh, first, Romans 1, the Apostle Paul will take Habakkuk 2 verse 4 and say, put your faith in the faithful Jesus. Let me read uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. How are you saved for a relationship with God, for heaven, for eternity, by faith. 
in Jesus Christ, trusting that he's died for all you've done wrong, that he's risen again to new life and can take you to be with him in the new creation, trusting that he will return to bring justice to an unjust world. Faith in him. There are only two ways you can live in this world, ultimately. Faith in what God has promised, or you trust yourself. And the language of Habakkuk 2, you're puffed up. Sorry, it's, I'm, you may not like the language. But you either trust the promises of God, or you rely upon yourself. You're impressed with yourself. That's the binary contrast. Faith. Self, puffed up. Only two ways. No middle road, as it were. Now, I don't suppose there are many in 21st century London who are as brutal as the Babylonians. I hope not. Um, But the sentiments that are expressed here, a restless accumulation, security in the false places, and adulation of power, they feel a little closer to home, perhaps. And what do you have? In a culture where there is, or people declare in our culture there's no God, the worship is of self, is of me. And so we all become a brand that we market on social media and we advertise and we try and sell because we're all a brand these days because if there's no God to worship, we worship me. And in a culture where there's no eternity, There must be restless accumulation now. Have to have it now. Have to experience it now. Have to do these things. Have to visit these places now. Because there's no future. You have to do that. In a culture where there's no saviour, you have to make yourself safe now. You're the only source of security. Get yourself a burglar alarm. Get yourself a safe space where no one can say something which hurts you. There's no God no eternity, no saviour. You have to restlessly accumulate. Worship something, why not yourself? You have to make yourself safe. And that is puffed up. That's pride. That's not trusting the revelation of God. And it's a binary choice. Says Paul in Romans chapter one. You either say... I am worthy of a place in heaven. Or you say, the only way I can ever spend eternity in heaven, know God, be forgiven, be right in God's sight, is trusting what Jesus has done. Faith in him is the entry point into the Christian life. So put your faith in faithful Jesus, Paul would say in Romans 1. And then secondly, lastly, let's turn to Hebrews and chapter 10. For real, let's turn. Um, no, nothing on the screen, you've got to actually do it. Yes, don't look at me like, don't be grumpy and look at me like that, Hugh Gittins. We're going to turn. <laughs> Page 1209. 1209 is Hebrews chapter 10. If anyone listens to this recording, Hugh Gittins was not grumpy. He just happened to look up at me and smile. I maligned him. Hebrews chapter 10, let me read from verse 35. 
Uh, context, the, the, the sermon to the Hebrews is written to encourage people who are being persecuted. If you read just above, they have been imprisoned. They have had their possessions with, uh, taken from them. They're having a very rough time. It's a persecuted church. And so the, the preacher declares to them, verse 35, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised for Habakkuk 2. In just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. Ah, it is coming, Habakkuk 2. It was always a he, the Lord Jesus. And verse 38, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Do you see how binary it is again? Shrink back, destroyed, have faith, saved, richly rewarded. The way into the Christian life by faith is the way you continue by faith in the promises of God. My righteous one We'll live by faith. What does that look like? Well, in an ongoing sense, it looks like half a dozen students at university meeting up for Bible study once a week, putting up posters advertising their meetings, nervous that they're going to be denounced as bigots, a little anxious will the student union summon them, but doing it, persevering, still sharing their faith. What does it look like? It looks like someone in their office doing, well, something similar. It looks like a young office worker being told, can you put your pronouns at the end of all your emails, please? And politely, gently saying, I'll call anyone what they ask me to, but I don't think it's right that you coerce me to do that. I feel uncomfortable doing that. Gently persevering. What does it look like? Forgive me, it, it looks like a young mother losing her husband and persevering with sharing the gospel with neighbors and friends in Paris and persevering in that. What does it look like? It looks like a young man in a Palestinian neighborhood saying, yeah, it is worth it. Despite the hostility of my family, I know it's worth it. Thank you for reminding me. What does it look like? It looks like you and me waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Having moments where we think, oh, is this Christian life worth it? Yes. Yes, it is. And as the writer of the Hebrews would say in the next chapter, it looks like us. Look, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the shame of the cross. It looks like us looking to him, trusting that his future return is certain because it's written and keeping going 
Is it worth it? Absolutely. Fix your eyes on him. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, we thank you and praise you that we have from centuries and centuries ago these words you told to your servant Habakkuk that um, there's a written message of a future day of justice and we can trust it, it's certain, and we can live that out by faith. For Habakkuk, initially that was 70 years. 70 years they had to endure that wretched Babylonian rule. Uh, For us, not many in this country are suffering uh, strict, uh, oppressive, brutal regimes, but we're waiting. We're waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you and praise you that this life of faith is one which has Jesus at the center, that we look upon him to begin the Christian life and trust him and not ourselves to know you, to come before you in heaven. Thank you that looking to him, you give us the strength to endure all the way until our final day or until he returns. Keep us looking to him, Father, knowing that trusting him is worth it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.